Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I presented uh, at that time all kinds of examples of what I experienced in my practice of law involving people that had phenomenal assets and what happened to them in the end. Um, But recently, there was a presentation by two uh, brothers in Ukraine who were former heavyweight champions. They're called the Klitschko brothers. Vladimir and Vitaly Klitschko. And these are multi, multi-millionaires. They don't have to stay there. And they were saying to the interviewer, we have to stay here. Our parents are buried here. Our children go to school here. And so for those folks who are typically non-combatants, They didn't play any role in policy making by their government. They're, from from all intents and purposes, innocent. But they're drug into it and it becomes so personal because their families are now going to be threatened and their lives are going to be threatened. And their millions don't make any difference now. And so, we need to be that much more thankful here in America that that's not happening to us now. And we gotta remember to pray for those that are over there, especially for the church. Uh, They're calling out and and asking for help. Uh, These Klitschko's described that they have, because of their uh, status there, they have friends. He said, we have a doctor who is having to pick up arms uh, and to defend their country. So we gotta be thankful and we gotta ask for God's intervention in that. I have no title to what I'm speaking about today. Um, I want to thank Lauren for her excellent job of putting together the list of scriptures that I wanted to provide. And um, first scripture is Colossians uh, 1.9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and in spiritual understanding. Now this is the task that we face every day. Every one of us do. What should I do? What does God want me to do? What would Jesus do? And it covers the whole gambit. Whether I'm supposed to associate with an individual whether I'm supposed to date or marry an individual, what career should I take, what what school should I go to, what job should I take, what house should I buy, what town should I live in. These are the kind of things that you, you ask yourself, and I want to tell you, when you make that decision and you didn't consult the Lord, You really kick yourself. The problem is, is what happens if you've consulted the Lord? How do you approach those issues? I found this um, in the religious quotations of Abraham Lincoln, whom I consider the 
greatest president we ever had. And this is a response to the, uh, to the Christian churches in Chicago who were pressing him on the issues of doing the Emancipation uh, Proclamation. And this occurred in September uh, 13th of 1862. This is just before the terrible batter, battle of Antietam. And I'm quoting now. The subject presented in the memorial is one upon which I have thought much for weeks past, and I may even say for months. I am approached with the most opposite opinions and advice, and that by religious men who are equally certain that they represent the divine will. I am sure that either the one or the other class is mistaken in the belief, and perhaps in some respects both. I hope it will not be irreverent for me to say that if it is probable that God would reveal his will to others on a point so connected with my duty, it might be supposed that he would reveal it directly to me. For unless I am more deceived in myself than I often am, it is my earnest desire to know the will of providence in this matter. And then he uses italics, and I don't know how they did that in script back then, because this is handwritten. But if I can learn what it is, I will do it, with an exclamation point. These are not, however, the days of miracles, and I suppose it will be granted that I am not to expect a direct revelation. I must study the plain physical facts of the case, ascertain what is possible, and learn what appears to be wise and right. The subject is difficult, and good men do not agree. I want you to focus on the issue of a direct revelation that our president, our beloved president, was seeking. I'm here to share with you that we have a direct revelation in the Word. I'm going to begin with John 15, uh, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking just before he is going to go to be tried and eventually crucified. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And in that same conversation, he ends it with this. These things I command you, that you love one another. These are direct revelations. This is the will of God for us, for the church. He's talking to his followers. And later on, dozens of years later, Apostle Peter re, uh, wrote in uh, 1 Peter 4, 8, and above all things, have fervent love one for another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And Apostle Paul, Colossians 3.14, But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Peter and Paul disagreed on issues. In fact, Paul was the one who brought forth 
the greater emphasis of grace in our salvation compared to Peter. And yet in both these uh, last two scriptures I mentioned, they preface the statement by, and above all things. So I wanted, um, I want to emphasize two attributes of Christian love. The first is the unity of mind that we're supposed to have. We're supposed to agree on the word. In business or in law, there's such a thing called a proxy. Now, if you own stock uh, or you're a shareholder in a company, you often will get something in the mail and that is a proxy. And you will either agree or not to have a board member or a group of board number, members vote your shares on an issue. That's called a proxy. And one of the things that will occur to you is, will they, will they take a position that I agree on? Is that something that they'll, um, they'll do that I can rely on? In another area of the law, this is called uh, what I call estate planning, I often do a durable power of attorney for business matters. And my clients have to choose someone. Normally it's the spouse initially, but you got alternates going forward. And you, you have to believe that that person will make choices and decisions and take actions that you would take. Well, where are we in, in the scheme of this? If someone, if someone says, comes up to you and says, what's LaDon's position on something? If you have the word, if you know the word, if you're, if you're biblical literate, you will be able to answer the question when it has to do with things that are really harming us today. How about the question of, um, how about the question of abortion? How about this question about gender confusion and this LGB stuff? What about those questions? We should have one mind and one spirit and one position on every one of those core issues. Now, I got to tell you something funny. But it doesn't ha I'm not showing you anything. But when Kathy and I first started practicing, we would get all these solicitations from uh, different companies of what to send out during Christmas time. And one of the Christmas cards that they were recommending was a Christmas card that showed Santa Claus in his Santa suit sitting on council's table with his defense attorney. And in the jury box are 12 people all dressed in Santa suits. And the defendant turns to his attorney and says, you sure know how to pick a jury. 
So, so one thing that um, we, will, we will have to examine ourselves about is what are our core values? What do, what do we believe in this fellowship that if someone asks, say, I see you go to church with so-and-so, you know what they, what do they believe? What's their position on this or their position on that? It is a, it is an attribute of Christian love that bears itself out. You have to, you have to believe that our, our, our projection is that of Jesus. I'm going to go to Corinthians. First uh, uh, Corinthians, this is 10 through 13. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, which was Peter, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Are you baptized in the name of Paul? This is not, uh, this is not in your material, but this is Philippians, the second chapter, the first two verses. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. I'm going to tell you that the more you look into history of the churches, and the denominations, and the divisions, and how it's impacted the uh, growth and, and expansion of the different countries, what you get is embarrassing. You get Protestants and Catholics fighting. Then you get down to issues where we've got different churches on every corner and the question is, how can that be? Isn't there one scripture? Is, isn't there one set of boundaries and conduct? We should easily say, that's what we obey, that's what we follow, that's what's expected of us. I'm going to tell you, when I was young, and this is funny, when I was young, my father told me that, this is back in Dakotas, his grandfather was asked by my father, probably in the, in the early 30s, why don't we go to this other church? Why do we go to this church? And my grandfather told my father, 
because they let me smoke cigarettes in this church and they won't let me smoke it in that church. Okay. Then, as I was growing up, I must have been about 12, 13, and my dad always took us three boys to church. We went to the Congregational Church. And it's a beautiful church there on the corner of Hutchins and uh, Tilkay Street. The thing that troubled me was is that everybody in there was like so old, they were almost like room temperature. And so, and, and so I, I told my dad, I said, I don't want to go to that church. And I felt sorry for my dad. He was frustrated. The, the problem with my dad was is that he was going out of duty and, and he wanted the community to think well of him that he's taken his boys to church. He was not Bible literate. So I'll never forget, he takes the, the um, telephone book in the yellow pages opened up and he throws it on the kitchen table. And he said, there, you pick a church. <laughs> now, now, I'm a 12-year-old kid, and all I'm used to is that congregational church. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, there, you pick a church. What do you want to go to? One of those holy roller churches where they roll all over the floor? Well... Guess what church we went to that morning? Because I was scared to death. Because I didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost. I didn't know anything about worship. I didn't know anything of that. But, again, these are the issues that we're dealing with with respect to all these different denominations and divisions and this kind of thing. And it's specifically contrary to the Word. Specifically contrary. Now the other attribute that I want to stress, and this is, this is to me the most touching. Go to, uh, go to John 17. This is 20 through 24. This is Jesus praying. Again, just before just before he's taken out of the garden. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through your word, through, through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Now this is, this is these are all New King James uh, versions, which I, I lean toward. Um, 
when we have perfect Christian love, we want to be with other Christians. We want fellowship. We want to spend time with them. We want to communicate with them. We want to know what they're thinking. And we want to know what they need prayed for. That's what, that's what the prayer uh, tags are all about. Seriously, how much do you want to spend time with one another? And that kind of thing. That is a, that is a core issue. I'm going to wrap it up by uh, speaking about a, a situation that occurred after Jesus rose, but before he was well known. You all know the story about on the, 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 the two men on the road to Emmaus. And these, and these men, I love that story. They're walking, they're heading to uh, Jerusalem. And they're talking amongst themselves. And the Bible says that Jesus came to join them uh, laterally. He came in, maybe with them not noticing it because they were very focused on their conversation. And they were very depressed. And the story is that Jesus said, what are you talking about? Why are you so sad? And they said, are you the only person that's doesn't know anything about what's going on around here. You must be new to the area. So they told him, and they also told him that it had been reported that Jesus had risen. And then this is the NLT version, on uh, Luke 24, 28, 29. But this time they were nearing Emmaus, and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. In the other versions it said that they urged him, but I like the NLT in this, in that they begged him. I don't know how far they walked before they got to this point, but they knew there is some reason they needed to be in his company. And that's the kind of thing that we need. We want to be with him, and we want to be with one another, because he is in us. And I want to, I want to tell you that when I was asked to do this, I was reminded in the scriptures about what we're supposed to do. And it says, if you speak, speak as the oracles of God. And God put on my heart that we are being monitored by our community. They want to know, why do you guys go to this, this modest little church here? Who are you and, and, and what causes you to return every, every week? And what causes you to, given the circumstances that we don't have facilities to do the kind of fellowship that I, we need to do, what causes you? 
Well, it's that love that Jesus put in us. That's what it is. We, lo we love one another, and we demonstrate that by joining together. And so, pray with me. Father, in so many ways, we're begging you to stay with us to go home with us. And we know that you will. And we know that when we're together, you're in the midst of us. So Lord, we're asking God that just like you said, that you would desire that we would be with you where you are we want that now, and we want it on the other side. And we appreciate it, Lord, for there are so many that don't know about you and about fellowship with you. We beg you, we urge you to stay with us always in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.